Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. So thank you, by the way, for, for coming on the show. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, so you you are now the mayor of Hoboken, but I kind of want to start in the beginning. I want to get your origin story. Um, you grew up at a very different time in the United States today, even though we have you know high levels of uh, intolerance and, uh, quite frankly, racism that's creeped up in the last few years. The environment still on a cultural level, a lot better than it was when you were growing up. What was it like growing up? Um, were you bullied? Was it difficult or, you know? Yeah, you know, well, first I just want to thank you for having me on uh, your, your podcast and <laughs> speaking to these uh, uh, issues uh, that we'll have a chance to uh, discuss further. Um, it, I was, um, uh, born here in the U.S., uh, in the United States, uh, the son of immigrants uh, who came to uh, the U.S. from India in the 60s. Um, so uh, you are correct in the sense that we are in a different climate than we were uh, when I was growing up in the um, 70s uh, as a young uh, young boy, a young, young sick boy uh, in the United States. Um, it, it was uh, it was similar in the sense that uh, that the challenges of uh, school bullying and uh, discrimination um, were present uh, back then, and they're 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 also uh, present now. I believe back then uh, it was based upon um, more of a. Uh, more of a lack of education or um, understanding of who Sikhs are. Um, unfortunately, over the course of time, that's been compounded by um, a variety of form of political events uh, through the decades that have um, resulted in uh, negative stereotypes about uh, people um, who are, e- are either Sikhs or, or uh, uh, where is Thar and Thar. Yeah. Well, did, were you personally, like, did you personally have like a lot of impact or was it? Uh, yes. Uh, I grew up in a, uh, I went through the New Jersey public school system mm-hmm. and uh, I was the, um, um, probably the, the only person of color in my grade school. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I was called the N word on a routine basis. Oh, wow. um, I was uh, my uh, Jura or, you know, my hair was was constantly uh, touched. Uh, I was physically assaulted. Um, I was uh, called names on a regular basis, mm-hmm. um, disparaging names. Um, uh, you know, just the, 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 the kind of the picking on you because you look different. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, fortunately, um, you know, I had parents uh, who told me that when that happens to you, 
uh, stand up. You know, mm-hmm. be proud of yourself. Or be proud of who you are. Um, and uh, you know, we had one ground rule. Uh, the, the, the standing rule was always report bullying uh, to, to your teachers and the school administrators. Um, but the one ground rule uh, my mother always told me is that if somebody touches your hair, you have the right to physically push back. Uh, so um, there was one instance where um, my mother was brought into school and, and told that uh, you know, your, your son was engaged in a physical altercation mm-hmm. uh, with uh, another child. Mm-hmm. And um, she explained that uh, I've given my son permission uh, to defend himself mm-hmm. uh, if his articles of faith um, are, are under assault. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, defense of our articles of faith is something that was instilled uh, in me uh, in this context at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but look at you now. Now you run the city. <laughs> I went from that to running the city. So, um, you know, on the topic of your parents, how, so how does your parents immigrate here? Because usually people have very interesting immigration stories, and there's so many different reasons how people came to the United States. Yeah, so my father came here in the 60s after doing um, a PhD in... I believe chemical engineering, and then he um, completed a PhD at Penn State University uh, in Pennsylvania in physics. Oh wow! So um, he's a smart guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, hopefully, the genes. I'm not sure if they passed down or not. But, uh, <laughs> I, think, I think they think you're good. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. He, he's he's got a specialty in that that area. Yeah. Um, but you know, one story that he tells me, which um, you know, I'll never forget is that his, his first day in the U.S., uh, he landed at Kennedy Airport and was picked up by another uh, student um, to be driven to the campus at uh, Penn State University. And as they were arriving at the university campus, yeah. the individual said, you know, we need to make one stop. And he said, where do we need to go? And he said, we need to go to the barber shop mm-hmm. so you can you remove your your, oh, wow. your, your uh, turban and uh, or remove your hair mm-hmm. uh, to make sure that you integrate and you blend in mm-hmm. with the rest of uh, the mm-hmm. students. Um, and, you know, that's not um, the America that my father uh, envisioned coming to. Right. Uh, he envisioned a, a, an America where his religion and his religious rights uh, would be um, would would be respected, right. um, and uh, that there would not be a necessity to uh, uh, make a choice between your religion and your ability to succeed. Right. Uh, so he chose not to uh, right. sacrifice his Artemis faith. And, right. Um, I think that decision um, uh, was very impactful for um, uh, both uh, my brother as well as myself. Right. And what's interesting, I think, for for listeners I don't know. What the turban represents is, is a commitment to stand up for equality and tolerance and in fight against injustice for all people, which are values that are correct. Correct, so core to who we are as Americans. So it's, it's for our community making that decision is we came to America for, to experience those values and we wear the turban to represent those values. And in some ways we're asked to, to to remove one to experience the other. Right. Right. Which is rather ironic oh, okay. 
because um, uh, you know there, there's a very symbiotic relationship between being a Sikh and being an American. Right. Uh, the values that Guru Nanak espoused, um, freedom of religion, uh, gender equality, right. um, uh, racial you know, equality, racial equality. These are all uh, values and principles that are enshrined in the founding documents of this right. country. Right. Uh, the, the, the major difference is that um, uh, is that uh, the Sikh gurus espoused them centuries before the founding fathers espoused them. Right. Uh, so um, you know the, the Gurunanak was very very progressive. In Even that today's way. by today's standards. By today's standards, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, even though um, uh, equality is enshrined um, in our founding documents, mm -hmm. it did not include African Americans. It did not include women um, up until the, the last Very century. Recently, yeah. Uh, yet, um, you know, in, in Sikhi, um, those values were enshrined from the inception. Right. Um, one thing I want to to tell you about and I just want to ask you about so I wanted to ask you about your relationship uh, with Gabir and Amr and I, the reason why I ask is so our last podcast uh, was with Dr. Marwa so Dr. Marwa was the first campaign manager for the first Sikh congressman Dalip Singh Song and interestingly Dalip Singh Song Dr. Marwa and uh, uh, why is his name escaping me Bhagat Singh Thin Yes. Bhagat Singh Thind, who, you know, fought in World War One and uh, had his case went all the way to the Supreme Court. All three of them lived right next to each other. And it, which is wild, because when I think of Bhagat Singh Thind, I think of a World War One picture. I think he's like gone by the time right. like the fifties happened, right? But he's like an older gentleman. They all lived next to each other, they were all friends. Okay. And commiserated over uh, passing the uh, immigration act that uh, Johnson passed that is the reason why a lot of us are here. Right. Which is wild because those three people, uh, those three, you know, sick men really had, you know, by scheming and plotting and, and pl uh, pl you know, playing politics and working uh, their different angles, were able to, 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 to usher in this new wave of immigration. I don't think anyone knows that story, but when I, there was a, there was an article about you, uh, your brother and Gerbeer in the New York Times, right? Very few friendships are profiled in the New York Times. And um, I, I, when I read that article, I immediately thought of those three. Because you, like, you're now the mayor of Hoboken. Gerbeer is the attorney general of New Jersey. And your brother founded the largest sick organization in the United States. And it was, it was kind of this like history rhyming... Sure. Decades later. Uh, it, uh, I don't even know if you know that, yeah. You know, no, no, I, I, I wasn't aware of that. But yeah. it, it also reminds me of um, a, a couple things is mm -hmm. that, you know, there are multiple ways um, to uh, achieve uh, the objective of social justice. Right. Uh, you know, um, not everyone needs to be a mayor or run for elected office. Mm -hmm. uh, you can do it um, as a federal prosecutor or attorney general. Uh, you can do it uh, through nonprofit advocacy organizations. Uh, you can do it by serving the judiciary. You can uh, do it through law enforcement. Um, 
uh, or you can just uh, be an activist in an area that uh, you care about. Right. Uh, so, um, you know, when you look at uh, Buckets and Ben, uh, Dr. Marwa, and Congressman Sound, uh, those are three different. They they, right. they, they, they they took three different approaches. Right. Um, you also look at uh, the civil rights era, and you see, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, taking an approach towards racial justice. Um, you know, in, in you know at the same time, uh, Malcolm X taking an approach towards mm-hmm. racial justice um, through different means. Um, and Thurgood Marshall at the same time mm-hmm. as an advocate in the courts, mm-hmm. uh, all in the same general era, mm-hmm. uh, three men uh, who um, had uh, overarching objectives that were similar, um, but um, took uh, different uh, roadmaps uh, to navigate you... those those means or those objectives. Yeah, so. yeah. I don't know. I just thought that was cool. Yeah. Um... Who did you look up to when you were growing up? Um, I looked up to my mother yeah. um, and, and my, my parents. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they instilled uh, very basic values. Um, you know, I, I, I obviously looked up to, um, you know, sports players. Yeah. You know, whether it was Michael Jordan or yeah. uh, Reggie Jackson. You didn't have any New Jersey? Are you, are you a Giants uh, fan? I'm actually a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Steelers fan? From, from, oh, from no, the, I'm a Browns uh, fan. From, uh, I think the interview is over. You know, <laughs> you, must a, you must be a Cowboys fan. No, no, no. I'm a Browns fan. I'm okay. a Cleveland Browns. Okay. Yeah. You just got Odell back on. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, after Franco Harris came, yeah. came, to, he, he came to the Steelers right after mm-hmm. Penn State, where my father studied. Yeah. So my father was a Penn State fan. And oh, God. The Steelers fan when um, they were winning Super Bowl after Super Bowl yeah. uh, when I was about seven or eight years old. Uh, so that's never left her blood. Yeah. Uh, so they looked up to, you know, your, 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 your average sports players. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, um, uh, on... Uh, on a, another level, you know, just uh, learning about Sikh history and mm-hmm. some of the heroes of Sikh history right. as well. Right. The, the reason why I ask that question is because um, when you were growing up and even when I was growing up, there wasn't that many minorities on the scene that you could look up to. Mm-hmm. And um, it was it was strange. And I know the first person I really latched on to was Barack Obama. But we can get into that later. Uh, how did you decide to get into public service and politics? Then? Um, I uh, just I had an, an interest, a general interest in public service um, and politics um, as an observant, uh, meaning uh, somebody who would uh, keep track of what's happening. Uh, that really originated from uh, my family din- uh, dinner table conversations um, that uh, my brother and my, my parents would have about uh, topics of the day or uh, the politics of the day. Um, and that really in- instilled um, a heightened interest in uh, government politics uh, just grow- growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided to make that leap of faith uh, and uh, decide to actually um, uh, run for office um, primarily because of two reasons. One is because 
uh, partially because of President Obama. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a <coughs> avid and still am an avid supporter. Yep, me of, too. Of, of, <laughs> uh, well, of, of Senator Cory Booker. Oh, me too. That's it. Okay. Doesn't change. I've known Senator Booker since yeah. he was a councilman. Yep. Um, and volunteered for his elections for, for mayor and for uh, Senate and yep. uh, now for president. Um, but when Senator Booker decided to support then Senator Obama, yep. um, uh, I, I made that decision as well, yeah. um, and after he won the Iowa caucus, uh, I closed my law firm uh, for a week uh, with and traveled up to New Hampshire with my brother and started knocking on doors. Yep. Uh, so when uh, and then my, my wife and I knocked on doors um, for Senator Obama with our two year do- two year old daughter mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania um, a few days before the election. So when he won. Um, I felt if America was ready for a black president, they mm-hmm. should, certainly should be ready for a city councilman. Right, for uh, sure. For, for city council. Uh, the other reason was it was purely pragmatic. Uh, uh, Hoboken government was uh, a, a hot mess at the time. Yep. Uh, there's, there's rampant corruption, patronage, ineptitude, uh, which resulted in a state takeover of our finances, uh, taxes rising by 47%. And people fleeing from the suburbs. And um, my wife and I were in our early 30s, and uh, there was um, <laughs> there was a desire for for change. And uh, we decided to, um, you know, as President Obama said, mm-hmm. grab a clipboard, roll up our sleeves, get off the sidelines, yep. and run for office. Yeah, man, it was a, it was a different time. It was a hopeful time. I don't, I don't know if the younger guys quite. How old are you, Gareth? Twenty nine. Okay, word. Okay, he gets it. He was around. Um, so yeah, it was. It was. If you're like, I think if you're like of a certain, like a certain young younger age, like the kid, early twenties, I. It was such a unique thing to have him on the, to come up on the world stage, Obama. It, it was. It was. Yeah. It, I, I mean, I, uh, you know, we, I supported him out mm-hmm. of. A relationship with Senator Booker, yeah. uh, but but um, out of full candor, uh, not with a high degree of confidence in his ability to succeed. Right, just because uh, based uh, off what uh, you've seen, yeah. but, but all, yeah. almost out of uh, you know um, a feeling that um, you know his his policies were in line with with mine, yeah. and I should support candidates who I believe in. Uh, um, uh, but when he uh, was successful in Iowa, um, it really gave me hope that perhaps this country is, um, or at least partially going into a post-racial era where people are uh, starting to judge you um, based upon uh, your ability to, to deliver on right. uh, substantive issues, right. uh, not the color of your skin or uh, your gender. Right, absolutely. How did... Um how did your sick values affect your decision to go into public service? Um, I think sickism, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the three main tenets of sickism, uh, you know, b- b- believing in uh, our creator, uh, working hard, and uh, charity is, is, is the third one. Charity is uh, really, I believe, seeing the, the connection between uh, yourself and society, uh, meaning, uh, you know, not just... Um, the sick community, but a community as a whole, mm-hmm. the person who lives uh, down the block from you, your neighbor, uh, your community, 
uh, Hoboken happens to be my community. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, I think um, Sikhism taught me that uh, you do not uh, uh, aspire towards wealth and prosperity simply for the benefit of uh, your your immediate uh, blood relatives, right. but you see uh, all of humanity as um, your family, right. and um, you know that that um, that is a, a very similar to the the idea of public service and um, seeing that connection between. Uh, your success and the success of society in general mm -hmm. and your obligation as a Sikh to uplift others who might need a helping hand. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so on the, I know we were talking about President Obama earlier, but you know, what was it like to run for public office and look so radically different than the average American? Because I know, you know Obama created the atmosphere, but even then, um, you know, when you were running the first time and even the second time, the look different you know what I mean right uh, look I, uh, just like President Obama uh, I did not run as the sick candidate I right. ran as the candidate who happened to be a sick right um, Hoboken does not have like a 90% sick population where right. I can um, get the sick vote so to speak right uh, because <laughs> there's sure. no sick vote other right. than myself and my brother and a uh, handful of yeah. <laughs> so that, that you got really, that one locked down <laughs> you got that one locked down <laughs> right yeah. but that wouldn't get you very far yeah uh, you a bit more and, and, and the, the, the um, conventional wisdom when mm -hmm. I first decided to run for office uh, were questions were being asked of me by right. um, uh, political uh, experts right. uh, you, you know uh, how many six live in Hoboken and the answer was not many how many right. Indians live in Hoboken the answer is not many how many Asians live in Hoboken um, you know it's about two percent so uh, I was told that you're not Latino, mm -hmm. uh, you're not Irish, you're not Italian, uh, you don't belong to a, a labor union, uh, where's your base? Who's, right. who's going to vote for you? Right. One person said that you you, have, you wear a turban beard mm -hmm. that will not go unnoticed right. in this election, <laughs> and that was not meant as a compliment. Right. Uh, so that really um, raised the question as to whether or not being a sick uh, would be an asset or a liability right. uh, to my ability to uh, uh, to serve my community in, a, in an elected capacity. Right. Um, so you know, my reaction to it is um, the second tenet of Sikhism is hard work, right. know, working with your hands, um, being at that bus station, that train station at six o'clock every morning, uh, knocking on doors, um, you know, uh, on a daily basis. Um, really connecting with people, having conversations with people, and proving to people that right. you're the most qualified candidate on the merits. Right. So um, back in 2009, uh, as a first-time candidate, out of 12 uh, candidates running for office, mm -hmm. um, I, wow. received high, I received the highest number of votes. Wow. That's uh, impressive. So I think that speaks really to Hoboken. Yeah. Um, running in a primary like that, particularly at a city council race and getting all the votes, is really hard. Yes, it, it, it is not easy. It, nothing was handed to me right. in, in, in politics. Um, yeah. I, I have, you got to hustle. I want to make that clear to the people that are listening. Yes, yeah. uh, power is um, not given, it's earned. Yeah. And sometimes it has to be taken. Yeah. Um, and uh, nothing in, in, in my political life has been given to me. I have never been anointed mm -hmm. uh, to anything. Uh, everything that you know, I'm proud to say that. 
uh, sitting here as mayor is something that um, uh, I was able to do through um, a tremendous amount of hard work. Right, right. So what was the message then that resonated? Because clearly, like, you know, knocking, you know, hustling is a key part of this, but once you knock on the door, people have to be receptive to what you're saying in order for that hard work to actually work. Um, what do you think it is about your message when you're running for city council or as, as mayor that, that resonated with so many people? I think people, um, you, you know, they, they want to align with you on the issues, but I think, um, you know, uh, uh, actual human contact is critical to making people understand and look past the turban beard mm -hmm. and to say, hey, you know, this guy is not that much different than me. Right. You know, he was, you know, you know, one thing that, that really helped me when I was first running mm -hmm. were the debates uh, right. because they were televised and everyone who was voting uh, were watching these televised debates. They said, wow, he, he doesn't speak with an accent, mm -hmm. even though he, he looks uh, like he's, uh, he, he might speak with, mm -hmm. uh, he speaks, uh, he's, got a he, he's got a Jersey accent, uh, right. you know. Um, and yeah. and um, he's an attorney, and uh, it appears that he's fairly persuasive. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, so then you just become a normal guy. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So um, you know, the the after those debates, yeah. um, people would stop me in the street and um, would, would say, you know, we saw the debates, and you're yeah. clearly the most qualified candidate. Mm -hmm. um, so it really, it's a matter of breaking past um, maybe. Um, uh, presumptions that people mm -hmm. have about you based upon appearance mm -hmm. and um, breaking those barriers. Yep. Uh, it takes, but it takes time and hard work. But mm -hmm. uh, I think the lesson is that um, if if you put in that hard work, you can do it. Yeah. So yeah, totally. You know what's interesting? I don't think I actually ever told this story, but we, we used to be a lot of focus groups to develop the message for We Are Six, and uh, we would actually ask people after showing them pictures of different six if you would vote for them. This is this is like I think you would just. You no, you had not run at this point. It was way before, actually, years before. And we asked, and we showed people, we showed them pictures of six, and ones that were like very well polished. Just had a, because all they had they had to go off as a picture. Right. These people that looked really well polished and like looked professional or had a professional look to them. People were quite actually willing to vote for a sick, um, even though we looked different. It was it's just like, it was just a unique insight uh, right. that like. It's like not as much of a barrier as we yeah, think. Yeah, right. Yeah. Anyway. Interesting. Um, and I think, obviously, you know, your uh, testament to that. Um, so I want to get into the issues uh, really quick. Um, then, where, where, where are we on time? It is 11.40. 11.40. Okay, I'm going to rush through these so we have enough time to get to the, the cool, more spicy questions at the end. So you... you you just recently announced a pretty major initiative on climate change for Hoboken, the right. Climate Action Plan. Do you want to kind of, kind of talk? Through yeah, that? Uh, um, you, you know, we um, uh, the 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 decision of the U.S. government to pull out of the uh, the Paris Agreement yep. uh, really makes it incumbent upon mayors uh, and the states to uh, pick up where the federal federal government has left off. Um, and I feel that in Hoboken, you know, we need to do our fair share um, to make sure that uh, we are a sustainable and resilient city um, and um, help combat climate change and not mm -hmm. contribute to it. 
Uh, so one of those measures uh, was a commitment to uh, purchase all um, all energy for um, uh, municipal facilities mm-hmm. through purely renewable sources, yep. like wind and solar, uh, instead of uh, the use of fossil fuels, which uh, contributes to <laughs> greenhouse gas emissions, uh, which have negative impact on climate on uh on climate change so um you know there's the rollout of that and then this hoboken is the first city in new jersey to make that commitment to go to 100 percent renewable energy uh, for its uh municipal facilities oh wow uh, right now we're at 18 percent we're mm-hmm. jumping from 18 percent to 100 percent oh excellent of april uh, which is um you know a major milestone uh in terms of advancing these issues so the, the reason I ask this question is because as mayor, there's a number of very immediate things that you have to deal with, uh, infrastructure, uh, education, jobs. Why, why did you feel compelled to do this? Um, uh, and what, what do you, would you expect to happen if you didn't take the action that you did? Well, I, the reason I felt compelled to uh, focus on the environment mm-hmm. um, not notwithstanding the fact that we are mm-hmm. uh, focusing very heavily on infrastructure right. as well as uh, the fiscal policies, uh, quality of life issues, um, uh, and other other matters. Um, Superstorm Sandy had an incredible impact on Hoboken. We're a coastal community. Uh, we're below sea level, uh, so the so climate in, uh, climate change has a much more acute impact on Hoboken. Uh, 80% of Hoboken was underwater uh, during Superstorm Sandy. Wow. 500 million gallons of water came into the city. We became a bathtub from the north and the west. Um, so um, ensuring that we have a climate action plan uh, to make Hoboken resilient and sustainable for the future is uh, something that we have no choice but to address. Completely agree. So uh, climate change is kind of like a little pet policy issue of mine, just to reinforce the points that you're making. I think for a lot of people, I'm just saying this for, for our audience, and this has nothing to do with sickism, but I still think it's really important, is I don't think people quite realize that climate change means more than just sea levels rising or just like kind of like bad weather. It's the impact of climate change over the next 30 or 40 years will be biblical. Absolutely. It will be a complete rethink of our society. And it will impact every single way that we live, from our politics to entertainment to things that, because we're, we're I think as humans, we sometimes think we're immune from, from nature, but we're not. And I think Superstorm Sandy is, is the perfect example of that. No matter how rich you are, the earth doesn't care about how much money you have. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And I guess the last point I'll make on this is that the... I think we have a moral, I think every, like, leaders like you, I think, and, and you clearly have already done it, have a moral obligation to make sure that we deal with this issue. Um, because if you think our politics are destabilized now, imagine when there's hundreds of millions of refugees around the world, and only right. a million refugees in Absolutely. Syria to completely destabilize Europe. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. You know, one, one of the first, well, actually, the first act mm-hmm. in office uh, mm-hmm. when I... Uh, uh, took the oath of office was to uh, come to my office and sign an executive order mm-hmm. declaring Hoboken a fair and welcoming city. Yep. 
Um, it's commonly known as the so-called sanctuary city, but right. essentially what it means, um, uh, in addition to affirming our American values of equality for all, is that uh, we will not cooperate with um, uh, federal uh, <coughs> federal law enforcement in the enforcement of federal civil immigration policies. Um, so. Um, people will be treated with equal rights right. irrespective of your immigration status in, in Hoboken. Um, I thought that was a very uh, uh, important message to send um, in this national climate yep. uh, as a first act uh, in office. Yep. It's also a, a, something that um, is perfectly in line with uh, my values as a Sikh, mm -hmm. that we should treat everybody uh, with uh, respect and equality uh, no matter their immigration status. Right. No, totally. I was just going to actually ask you about that. I mean, how, how take, from that model, how do you think other communities can replicate it? Because it feels like so many of our communities and our, just our politics nationally is so divided on race and religion and even what it means to be an American. Um, and I think that, you know, like you said earlier, uh, it's really now incumbent on, on, on leaders, city leaders, state leaders, to, to take up that mantle, how, how do you, what would you recommend to your uh, peers uh, that are leading cities on this issue? I, you know, the, a lot of the presidential candidates and the, uh, at least on the democratic side mm -hmm. are starting uh, or saying that we need to have a, a more national conversation mm -hmm. about um, race and racial justice, mm -hmm. um, about reparations mm -hmm. uh, for African-American, uh, for the African-American community. Um, and really come to grips with the fact that um, uh, racial justice uh, uh, or lack thereof is uh, an ongoing problem um, mm -hmm. that, uh, that's, that stems from the days of slavery. Mm -hmm. um, and that uh, notwithstanding um, many efforts um, by generations of uh, leaders to correct the uh, you know, our, our original sins as a country, mm -hmm. uh, the impacts of, uh, of, of uh, that time period are still felt by minorities today. Right. Um, you know, whether you look at um, the partnership levels of African Americans at a law firm uh, or, you know, any other sector, uh, the, the disparities, uh, the disproportionalities um, are still there. Right. And, uh, and, and need to be addressed. And just to even to tie that back into climate change, right? Like in order for us to be able to deal with quite literally global problems at that scale, we have to have a cohesiveness within our own communities so that our, so that our politics can produce solutions to those problems nationally, internationally. And if, we, if we're so bogged down on almost superficial issues at the point of just making sure we respect people that look different, uh, that we can't tackle these gl global security threats. I think our, 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 our children, our grandchildren are going to look at us like we were foolish. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, all of these issues uh, to some degree are interconnected. Yeah. Um, and we, um, you know, we really need to uh, break barriers. Right. Uh, um, you know, we, uh, you know, we, we have, we have the sick community, but mm -hmm. the sick community is operating in, in a larger community, right. uh, within U.S. society. Yep. And, um, uh, you know, what impacts, uh, the Muslim community mm -hmm. or the, the Asian community or the African American or Latino community, 
um, we should pay attention to and where we can collaborate and support each other. Uh, we should take advantage of those opportunities um, because there are times where the community also needs help. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, we're, we're all um, in this ship together. Yeah, absolutely. What, uh, to, I'm going to double up these questions here so we get through them all. What qualities do you think make a good public servant and, and what advice do you have for sick, in, sick Americans interested in getting involved in politics and policy? Uh, the qualities that I think uh, make for a good public servant are um, honesty, uh, authenticity, and um, a, a fierce focus on advancing the public interest uh, in a way that's uh, in, in a way that's um, mindful of uh, of the need to be efficient and professional. So, um, you know, a basic competency. Uh, is is necessary. Um, I also think that uh, a good public official is someone who um, uh, does as much listening or more listening to the public as um, as uh, talking or leading, um, and being able to acknowledge mistakes where you make them. Um, those are all uh, kind of qualities that I think are important for public officials to have. Um, for any sick who wants to. Um, uh, go into office or, uh, or consider running for elected office, uh, my advice is uh, to start small um, and, and uh, play a game of long ball. Uh, I will tell you that uh, I'm almost certain that every member of Congress uh, at one time served as a, a councilman or a mayor or a, a assembly member. Um, you know, too many times uh, people in the community, uh, when they decide to run for, for, for elected office, say I'm going to run for U.S. Senate, you know, as their first as their their first uh, foray into public office. Um, uh, what I did was I, I took a very hyper local approach, uh, and I ran for what's called Democratic committee person, mm-hmm. which is literally representing the few blocks of your neighborhood, right? Um, and getting to know, uh, right. you know, how the system works, getting to know. Um, and developing the relationships you need to mm-hmm. develop, and um, uh, and then seeing what opportunities present themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that trajectory, I think, um, is is one that uh, uh, takes years, probably decades, if you want to aspire to uh, state or federal office. Um, but uh, the vast majority of people who are um, in federal office. Um, you know, really start small and uh, and um, make make their way <laughs> um, to, to higher levels where they have the ability to uh, influence uh, policies at a higher level. Right. Um, final questions here. Uh, why do you think it's important for our community to get involved in public service and politics? Because I think for a very long time there was a reluctance amongst the elders in our community to to do that. Uh, I, I guess from it was understanding, if, somewhat understandable, because we we're literally trying to financially establish ourselves. I think we both know that this is not a financially lucrative path, <laughs> um, but um, it's a very fulfilling path, and it, it, it's 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 very important. So, well, now that we as a community have, have kind of reached that threshold, well, why do you think it's important for our next generation to to do what you did? Yeah. I think it's important because we want to be 
uh, in control of our destiny mm-hmm. as a community. And we want to be on the side of the table that's making decisions, not on the side of the table that's asking somebody to make a decision for us. Yeah. Um, and in order to do that, you need to obtain power. Right. The way to obtain power is to, uh, one way to, uh, to obtain power is to actually, you know, roll up your sleeves and run for office. Mm-hmm. Um, and by running for office as, as a sick, uh, I'm acutely aware of the, the needs of the sick community and I, I feel in a position to uh, represent uh, those needs, um, you know, to, to the extent that I can. Um, but um, um, unless we actually um, get off the sidelines, and uh, it could be running for school board, it could be running for something very modest, um, but just or or even volunteer for a campaign if if you know running for office is not your thing, mm-hmm. um, or as Attorney General Braywell has done, um, uh, being a federal prosecutor mm-hmm. and um, having the opportunity to serve um, in his current capacity, um, you know we, we need to get to to integrate into the public sector um, in order to have uh, have control over our, our future. Last question for you, because uh, I know you got to go. You're a busy man. Um, what are your thoughts on the future of the United States, given our very turbulent political times? You know, I, was, I was reading a poll on the way up here, and it was it was I think it was on the Washington Post. They're talking about that there's a significant number of Americans that are very pessimistic about the future uh, on a number of fronts, economically and on, on the environment. Um, People don't believe that our government is capable of dealing with these big problems. Um, they're concerned about you know, the deficit as well. So, how, what, what what are your thoughts about the future, and then how do you think we can overcome this very divisive time? Uh, I have I have concerns about uh, the future, um, but uh, in the spirit of, uh, in the spirit of Jardikala, you know, I, I also mm-hmm. have. A, High degree of optimism and faith in uh, the the sustainability of our our um, institutions uh, in terms of American institutions. Um, I, I believe that uh, the pendulum uh, of history, politics, uh, swings uh, in different directions over the course of our history, um, but. Um, uh, you know some of the core values. Um, you know our, our Supreme Court, um, the checks and balances that our founding fathers um, created in this system of governance um, have lasted and have been tested very hard um, during trying times in the course of our nation's history. Uh, so even though these are turbulent times, these are times of great concern. Um, I have faith that. Uh, um, uh, you know, Americans, uh, uh, you know, are are able to control their own destiny because we are uh, protected by uh, these institutions um, that are inalienable, uh, meaning that um, they they come from, I believe, as sick from our Creator. Um, so I don't think that they can be taken away from us. Um, and if they they are taken away from us, we've created a system of um, protections to seek redress. Um, so I, I believe that notwithstanding um, efforts to undermine those values, to undermine those institutions, um, that we will sustain um, uh, 
you know, uh, and get through these turbulent times with uh, persistence and with faith in our values. The, the last thing I'll say is just a comment. You know, I, I got involved in politics around the same time. And I have to say, um, just seeing you come up and has been has been something pretty special because when we started, when I started We Are Six in 2014, the, or National City Campaign in 2014 and We Are Six in 2017, the intent was that hopefully we could foster an environment so that somebody like Liu would, would come come through the ranks. <laughs> and um, and when I got involved in politics, it was because of Barack Obama, just just like you did. I mean, obviously I'm much younger, uh, so I didn't I couldn't run for office when I'm 18. That'd be a little weird. But um, but it, I was hoping as I sat in government buildings and offices and campaign offices um, that one day that there would be somebody like you. Uh, I didn't know what happened this quickly, uh, which was a pleasant surprise to me, but. Is someone that has been involved in uh, public service. I think uh, you've been a source of inspiration for myself, and I know that um, that is true for for many many uh, people within our community around the world. Well, thank you. That, yeah. that, that's deeply humbling. Yeah. Uh, it puts a heavy burden on me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's that's okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think everyone has to do their small part. Yeah. Uh, and, and, um, there, I, I don't think there should be an expectation of uh, every sick uh, to, um, uh, you know, to, to run for office or do one thing or another. But um, I think um, you, everybody should find their sweet spot, you know, what they're comfortable with mm -hmm. um, in terms of c contributing to society, uh, trying to uplift people who are in need of help. Um, and really advancing our values as six uh, and as Americans. Yeah. Um, and there's so many ways to do that. Uh, really, the sky in this country is the limit. And I think being a sick is uh, only an asset to be successful as an American as well. Yep, absolutely. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Yep. My pleasure. Yep, absolutely.